In the name of our Creator, our Sustainer, our Redeemer. Amen. Some of you may know that I was born in Houston. I'm about to date myself here. Before I was born, in the early 1970s, my parents were each drawn separately from the Northeast to the charismatic movement as it was being played out in the Episcopal Church of the South in the 1970s. They joined a charismatic Episcopal Church, a church that supported them through communal living so they could be full-time volunteers in a free inner-city health clinic in the Fourth Ward. Heralding back to the model of the early church, whose wisdom we heard in today's epistle. All was shared in the community that my parents joined. And so the members lived in large households, not necessarily large houses, but large households. And the heads of the households had regular jobs with regular salaries to support everyone, while 10 to 20 other people slept all over the house on couches and floor mats And I am told, at least temporarily, my father slept on top of a dresser. They shared the household tasks, and they worked as volunteers in the health clinics. They prayed together daily and worshipped together on Sundays. Now, while this community had many faults, and while I have no recollection of being a part of it as a baby, the sense of community and love And the sense of listening for God's call in our lives influenced me deeply. And so when I hear God call out to Moses from the burning bush this morning, I know in my heart of hearts that this isn't just ancient history. I am aware that God is calling out to us too, sending us. Balking at our self-doubts, instructing us in the way forward, and speaking the most holy of holy names to us. For that name will be our guide. It is the name we pray to love so deeply that it is grafted on our hearts in today's collect. I am who I am, says God. And I can hear the subtext. Now you be who you are. And this is where I cannot help but get a little fire and brimstone up here. It's in my background, after all. But I'm not talking about the threat of some hellish afterlife. The fire I want to talk about is the fire of the Holy Spirit burning in you. And the brimstone I see right now is the pain and suffering and human fallibility all around us here on earth. Brimstone, sulfuric rock of destruction. It's coming at us every time we walk out the door, every time we turn on the news or look at our phones. People are suffering flooded out in Houston and Mumbai. People are fighting in Syria and in Africa and at boardroom tables and in city streets. People are rallying for white supremacy. 
other people are rallying for equality. People are dying in mosques and in refugee camps and in flooded neighborhoods and quite possibly in your families and in your circles of friends. People are in so much pain. And God said to Moses, Indeed, I know their suffering. And I have come down to deliver them. How will God do this? How did God intend to deliver a people pummeled by the brimstone of slavery? This is how. God spoke to Moses and said, Come, I will send you. Which is where the fire comes in. God speaks from the fire of an unconsumed bush to the fire in Moses. Whether or not Moses knew it yet at that point, the fire of the Holy Spirit was a flame in him. And yet, he resisted. Who am I that I should go? He doubted himself. And so do we, don't we? And yet God says, I will be with you. And God says, I am who I am. Now you be who you are. If it is true, if God made us to embody divine love in the world, if God made us in God's image, if God told us to love one another, if God told us to extend hospitality to strangers, if God has kindled a fire of the Holy Spirit in each of our hearts in order that we might be sent to the places where brimstone falls and floods rise and people fight and children die. If the early Christians and even the hippies learned to share all they had equally among all people, if God is with us right now in this place, in the words of the scripture, in the bread and the wine that we will share, in the face of the person next to you, and in the suffering of our neighbor, then we must ask ourselves, who are we? And what in God's name are we doing here? I love the hymns we sing. They give me a taste of the divine and they articulate what I cannot. I take comfort in the repetition of prayers that I have heard since childhood. I love being with all of you. I miss you these last three weeks of vacation. I look forward to coffee hour conversations and youth group gatherings. But if that is all that I am here for, then this is at worst just a job. And at best, these are not much more than the pastimes of a privileged white woman. If I am not continually challenged, and at least incrementally transformed each time we gather here to worship together, then all of this is pointless. The resources, there's a lot of them, that it takes to keep the doors of this church open might as well just be sent to Texas. 
If we gathered here are not growing and changing and becoming more and more empowered to be God's hands in the world each and every week. Over a thousand years after Moses found the courage to engage the fire within and lead the Israelites out of slavery, Jesus came as God's hands in the world. Yes, he prayed the familiar prayers of his childhood, and he sang and he laughed, and he enjoyed conversations with his friends. If coffee had been in existence, I know he would have loved a good coffee hour. But he also loosened his grip on material possessions and inspired those around him to do the same. He showed up for the people on the fringes of society and took great risks on their behalf. He loved difficult people. And he said that if we want to be his followers, we must take up our cross and follow in his ways. How are we to do that? It is so hard. Hard to know what to do and then hard to know how to do it. But God says, I will be with you. God gives us this safe, wonderful, supportive community to work alongside us. And God says, I am who I am. Now you be who you are. Be who you are. Out there, seven days a week for all people, with the light within you strong, aflame with the power of the Holy Spirit, able to house the Christ who promised to come again before the last of his contemporaries tasted death. A promise that I believe he fulfilled by coming again inside every single person who yearned to be God's love in the world. In us, now, today, Christ comes again to wade through the brimstone and love this world back to health. Christ is trying to do this through you and through me and through every single person who challenges either of us. If we are to make way for Christ to do that, we have some work to do. It is Labor Day weekend, and I ask myself, what are our labors? What work are we being called to do in light of all this suffering and in honor of the fire from which God speaks within us? Someone here in this community told me the other day about the co-worker of her spouse. This co-worker lives in Houston. Her house is on dry land, and it is full, because she has invited three other families who were washed out of their homes to come and live with her family. Eight adults, 12 children, and five dogs are living in one house in community, in Houston, in 2017, not in the 1970s. 
amid great suffering, regardless of their faith traditions or imperfections, regardless of race, ethnicity, age, or economic standing. They are embodying the fire of God's love, the fire of God's call to us. How will we embody it? How will we respond here in this place and in each of our lives when we hear the voice of God say, I am who I am. Now you be who you are.